Ready Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Oh, there is so much lying that goes on in the financial services industry. I just can't get over it. The other thing that bothers me is the incredible confusion between two different, very different ways of making money. Investing and gambling. They're not the same, despite the fact that a lot of people want you to believe they are. They are not. And it gets very frustrating, you know, particularly today when we've got two wacky speculations, pure speculations, both being treated like investments, being discussed as if they're investments, and neither of which is an investment. I'm talking about Bitcoin and its ilk all the cryptocurrencies, but I'm not going to talk about them today. And the other one that's soaring back up to new highs is gold. Gold, gold may glitter, but it doesn't grow. It doesn't. It never has. It is the dumbest investment. Gold itself talking about the metal or the futures contracts or anything that is betting on the price of the metal. Can you make money in the gold business? Well, yes. Mine it. Smelt it. Print it into coins. Make it into jewelry. Yeah, you can make money with gold. Gold miners have made money for years. I'm from Colorado, downtown Denver. The you know the streets were lined with gold and silver for a while with all these people who mined and made millions. And if you want to own gold, well, own some gold stocks. Wouldn't own very many. And bear in mind, if you have a nicely diversified, globally diversified portfolio, like we suggest, you have gold. And you have gold a better way. And you have gold in the right proportion. Now, I know it almost seems like heresy to say gold is a bad investment. But folks, gold is a bad investment. And it's not my opinion. It's fact. It's absolute fact. I went back to 1915 and tracked the price of an ounce of gold adjusted for inflation because that's the only way to do it. Because gold does react with inflation. Does gold make money? Well, in 1915, inflation adjusted. Gold was worth about $500 an ounce. From 1915 until 1933, it went down and never got back to $500 an ounce. And then it climbed in 1934 to just under $700 an ounce. Okay, so if you bought it in 1915 and you held it until 1934, 
you made $185 adjusted for inflation. It grew, but it didn't grow much. Then, from 1934, pay close attention here, from 1934 until 1973, gold never returned to $685. That's mm, about 40 years. For 40 years, you would have lost money if you invested at the high for gold in 1934. Then from 1973 to 74, you had a brief period of profitability. Where you went from 685 to $873. Yes! Just nowhere to go but up from here, right? Wrong. From 1974 to 1978, the price of gold fell again, getting back to that 873 level again in 1978. Then you had the golden era of gold. The most golden era of gold ever in the history of gold. Because the economy of the U.S. was a mess. We had inflation. We had all kinds of problems. We had had the Arab oil embargo, and nobody wanted to invest in anything except something that felt very safe. So a lot of money went into gold between 78 and 1980, pushing the inflation-adjusted price for gold in 1980 up to $2,192. All right, so now from 1915 to 1980, you have just over quadrupled your money. Just over. That's not a very good return. Ah, but what happened after 1980, after that high? The price of gold started falling again. And it fell, and it fell, and it fell, and it fell, until 2000. 12, when it finally clawed its way back up to $2,025. Wait, that's still short of $2,192, isn't it? Yes, it was still short. It got so close to break even, but it missed. Then, down again for another eight long years. Brings us to 2020 when gold got back up again but not to where it needed to be hmm. to 1982 now bear in mind right now gold is at 1838 so it's below where it was earlier in 2020 but it's but it's it's been coming back up Yet over 105 years, gold has quadrupled. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all. It's quadrupled. So how well would you have done, oh, I don't know, let's say in stocks over that same period? Well, I can't go back to 1915 because the S&P 500 didn't exist then, so I don't have good data. 
But I can go back to 1934 when we knew an ounce of gold was 685 inflation-adjusted dollars. Now, I am going to adjust the returns on stocks for inflation. Apples to apples, okay? Remember, stocks from 1915 to 2020 were up about four times. $500 to 1982, or let's say 1934 to 2020, 685 to a high of 1982, a gain of $1,300. From January of 1934 through October, I have to use October because of the inflation adjustment, October 31st of 2020, $685 invested in the S&P 500 and adjusted for inflation in 1934 would be worth an inflation-adjusted $6,181.32. That's because today's $685 was only $0.79 in 1934. But still, that adjusted $0.79 became $6,200 roughly versus less than $2,000 in gold, which has been the better long-term investment. Should be no question. None whatsoever. Gold is a terrible investment. If you're playing gold, you're betting on the price to rise. And the operative word in that sentence was betting. Gambling. Don't think of it as anything else because to do so is doing your future, your wealth, a serious disservice. You're playing, you're gambling, you're not investing. Got a question? Either send it in at TalkingRealMoney.com or give us a call at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And let's take one of those written questions. I'm just going to do one written and one called in today, um, just because the gold thing took a while. Uh, let's see. Let's do this one. Yeah, I'll do this one. Hi, Tom and Don. I inherited a traditional IRA from my dad who passed away recently. I'm very sorry. Unfortunately, my dad liked individual stocks, but I have always invested in globally diverse index funds. I transferred the IRA from Ameriprise Financial to Vanguard, good for you, and sold all of the stock except for the stock for one company, Apple. My wife, who has never shown an interest in investing, wants to keep the Apple stock against my objections. Since the value of Apple stock is less than 2% of our retirement funds, I caved. I understand that I have to empty the inherited traditional IRA in 10 years per the new rules under the SECURE Act. My wife would like to hold on to the Apple shares even after the 10 years. Is it possible to transfer our shares to our taxable Vanguard account after paying ordinary income taxes on the value? And if so, what basis would I use? The share price at the time of the inheritance or the share price at the time the shares are transferred to the taxable account? Well, here's the deal with an inherited IRA. 
you don't have a cost basis. You don't. So you might as well liquidate the apple in the IRA and buy some apple in your Vanguard account because it's not going to make a hill of beans a difference. IRAs are taxed as ordinary income when the money is withdrawn. You didn't you don't have to do it for 10 years. You can leave the money in there, but the cost basis doesn't matter. So therefore, it doesn't matter what you do with the stock. You can leave it in the IRA until you liquidate and pay the taxes on the IRA, or you can just go ahead and get it into something more diversified and leave it there until you have to take it out and go ahead and buy the apple elsewhere. It's, you know, it's not going to matter very much, except for one thing. If you buy the apple in your taxable account, then any future growth of the apple, you see, future growth of the apple in the IRA is going to be taxed as ordinary income. Future growth of the apple, if you hold it for more than a year in the regular account, is going to be taxed as a capital gain at a lower rate. Bingo! Makes more sense. So what I would do is I'd just go ahead and buy Apple in your regular brokerage account and make your other account diversified just the way you planned. I think that's the easier thing to do, and it makes more tax sense, I think. I'm not a tax accountant, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. 855-935-TALK. Give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can leave your questions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, uh, you know, we, we'll talk to you about almost anything. Hi. Uh, thank like, you for taking uh, my this. call. Uh, this is Jim. And uh, I have a chunk of money, um, you know, for an individual investor anyway. And I'm looking at the market, and I'd like to uh, invest it in, like, a dollar-cost averaging scheme over, I don't know, six, six or seven months. Um, and uh, my real question is, is there a day of the week? So if I was going to put in, say, 5000 on Tuesday and 5000 on Thursday for the next six months, is there a way to, like, dollar-cost averaging in this volatile market that would be smart? So um, <clears throat> are the, is Monday the most volatile day or is Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday? Um, because, of course, dollar-cost averaging works, I think, works best with volatility and so which day of the week is the most volatile but uh wondered if you had a statistic on that and which day of the week is the best uh to put your money in if your dollar cost averaging thanks a lot bye oh i almost hate answering your direct question because i don't like it so much i really don't like your question because i think I don't think I know. I've done this for a long time. Your dollar cost averaging as an excuse to market time because you've been out for a while. I know that's what the fact is. You've had this lump sum. You've watched the market go up recently and you're going, eh, I should have put it in. But the market is so volatile right now. I want to do it slowly, but I want to use the best system. No, all of us you and everybody else, we all need to get it through our thick heads that there is no system. There's no system. Nothing works consistently. 
The stock market rises more than it falls. That's the only thing we know based on the past. I shouldn't even say rises because that's misleading. It has risen more than it has fallen in the past. So you probably, that's the closest to a system I can get. You're better off being in than being out. And I think you know that. I think you know you're better off being in than being out. You should just take your lump sum and put it in. Put it in and leave it alone. If you must dollar cost average, don't call it dollar cost averaging really, just call it getting in slowly to be more comfortable. Because there's actually there's very little research that shows that dollar cost averaging does anything for you again because of the fact that markets have risen more than they have fallen. So dollar cost averaging is actually counterintuitive. The only reason anybody suggests dollar cost averaging is because that's the way most of us earn our money. So instead of taking our paycheck from which we're going to invest 15% and putting it in a bank account for a while and waiting until the right day, the experts, the people who know what they're talking about say, no, 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 don't do that. Put it in. Because if the market's down, great, you're buying stocks on sale. And if the market's up, well, you never know when it's going to go up. But they're not telling you to dollar cost average because they think it's going to make you more money because it hasn't. And there's no evidence that shows that it has. None. 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 It's, it's a discomfort you have with getting in. And I understand that. You are definitely in incredible company. But... I would not do it that way. Now, I'm going to answer the question anyway, uh, but I don't want anybody doing anything with this information because I think it's totally meaningless. The most volatile days, and that means up and down, by the way, have been Mondays and Fridays. That's because a lot of portfolio adjusting goes on. Does it mean anything? Again, no. Because, okay, while Monday may be more volatile, it's going to be volatile up and volatile down. And since markets have risen more than they have fallen, it's going to be volatile up more than it's volatile down. See? Oh, I know this is so hard. We have to fight our own emotions when it comes to money. And that's what makes managing our own money so blasted difficult. And that's why Tom and I started a firm. And you know, it's funny. I, I, was, I was on the radio talking about money since 1988. And I always resisted helping people directly. I got a lot of people who said, hey, you should become a registered investment advisor. You should become a broker. I was a broker. I didn't want to be a broker again because uh, I didn't want to sell commission stuff. But I always thought people can do this on their own. But then, hmm, hmm. I've learned over and over again that too many people can't. Very few actually can and do it effectively. Even those who think they follow our philosophies religiously, they're so funny when they uh, they come in to talk to us. They go, follow you religiously. And we look at their portfolio and we go, who do you follow religiously? It's not Tom and Don because you own like 20 individual stocks and you've got some sector funds and you got, who are you following? Oh, you guys. No. 
Anyway, um, that's why when we started Vestory, our investment advisory firm, we did something very few firms do. We made an absolute promise to everybody to provide enough of an education to get you at least off on the right foot and to help you start a plan instead of playing with money like everybody tends to do. We don't play with our money. We don't invest it. We don't know what it's for and how it's going to all work together. People have hodgepodge portfolios. You almost get into, you know, people don't almost, they get into bad stuff. So if you need somebody to sit down and spend some time with, and I'm talking about remotely, of course, via Zoom or phone, go to vestry.com, our, our investment advisory website, and set up an appointment with one of our 100% fiduciary advisors. They're not going to suggest anything that they don't believe is in your best interest and that we don't believe is. And they never sell anything on commission, ever, ever, ever. There's no cost to meet with one of them. And there's no obligation. And, and I know this is something everybody fears. I fear it. There will be no high-pressure sales pitch, period. If there is, somebody's in trouble. There won't be because they know. But just in case, I'm telling you, we got a, we got a system in place. You call us. We'll, we'll take care of it. So um, go to vestry.com, or you can call our company 800 number, which is 800-386-Why? I haven't even given out the number yet, and there's somebody calling. No, I'm kidding. I hung up. Uh, 800-386-3004. 800-386-3004. Go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Set up an appointment. You can set it up online anytime. We'll meet with you. Promise. Please, please, please. Tell others about this podcast because you listen and you know you're getting something out of it. So don't just keep it to yourself. It's not like it uh, can't be spread around. It doesn't, uh, this, the more people who know, the more it still works. In fact, the better it probably works because people are going to get smarter. So tell friends, tell family, spread the word this uh, socially distanced holiday via Zoom or whatever you do. And thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you being... <laughs> oh, there they are again. Appreciate you being there. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?